Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name's Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. This show is all about helping you discover what matters most and then helping you get your actions and resources in alignment with your goals. We combine excellence and wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. Jeff Bernier is the founder. He's the president and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, a wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb of the greater Atlanta area. Well, Jeff, here we are. It's a new year, 2019. Happy New Year to you. Happy Merry new Christmas. Year. Yes, yes. All that sort of stuff. Yep. Hope you had a great holiday and the New Year's off to a great start. It, it really is. Um, and it's hard to believe we've been we've been doing this for, for a year now. Oh, you know, right. I, I remember a year ago when we, we came in here and recorded this. Um, I was just licking my wounds coming <laughs> off of the um, Georgia Bulldog loss to Alabama in the national championship game. And as we're recording this, uh, Alabama um, got beat pretty bad last night by, yeah. by Clemson. And and so, um, and of course, I guess we're both licking our wounds a little bit. Uh, the Fighting Irish didn't didn't look all that great in the semifinal game. And you know, they they had a quarter together, and I believe you sent me a text. I did. And I think I was the, I think I was the kiss of death because I I texted you guys and said, "Look, I think they can play with these guys." And Turns out, Clemson was the real deal, right? Yeah, and yeah, and, they and so last night. they 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 certainly did, and and I. I also say, you know, licking wounds. I'm holding my head high. The Irish well, outperformed. Should. They no, outperformed no. expectations. And I'd like to say that it was likely due to me and my firm getting a chance to talk to the football oh, team. Oh, that's right. The, before, yeah, I, before the season, I could just see it. They were thinking yeah, you know, about the budgets. Makers. They were thinking about budgets. They were thinking about finances yeah. as they were whooping on the other Yeah, you team. mentioned no, that y'all, y'all spoke them. Well, yeah. well, Georgia didn't, didn't do any better in, in the Sugar Bowl, so yeah. they didn't. They apparently forgot to shut, uh, show up as well. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, what else is happening? Anything interesting last month or so as we start the year? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I can't believe I didn't say this to begin with, but I became a grandparent. Uh, my wife and I became grandparents uh, uh, on January 3rd uh, my daughter and son-in-law had a, had a new baby so Congratulations. we're very exciting about that oh you, you should yep. be in uh, what what a special treat that is a blessing yeah it's great so we, we, we welcome little Maverick into the family and, and, and so excited so okay, okay so so money and meaning that's what it's all about so yep. I appreciate you starting with the meaning there we part, go. Right? right? Go. So so let's let's couple that with the money part. Yep. Okay, so let's get into today's topic. I know you want the money and meaning show to be a different kind of show, one that's not always focused on the talking heads that you see on these 24-hour news stations and all that sort of stuff. One that goes a bit deeper into sound financial planning to create the freedom and capacity to lead a meaningful life. But today is a bit more technical, nuts and bolts, investment oriented, right? That's what everyone's thinking about. Yeah, it, it is. Today's show just clearly is. And, you know, almost all investment firms put out, you know, year end market uh, results and make forecasts for the coming year. And as we say frequently, we don't, you know, we don't think our clients should sacrifice quality advice. Um, 
because we're interested in helping them create meaning and purpose right. and, 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 and identifying those things. So when I think about this marriage of money and meaning, um, we want to have excellence in both. We want to uh, have deep conversations with our clients to understand what matters most, mm-hmm. but we have to provide high-quality wealth management. So um, talking about the financial markets and the capital markets are obviously part of that. And so many of our clients are oftentimes interested in our opinions um, about what's going on in the capital markets or the current economy. And as a matter of fact, we host a semi-annual update, yeah. just you know, general update. And so I thought today we could just do a high-level recap of 2018 and make a few general uh, thoughts as it relates to the overall environment today and uh, what it what it looks like as we as we move into a new year. Okay. Well, lots to hit there. Where do we start? Yeah, I, well, I first have to do my normal caveat because, um, you know, we don't do market forecast. We're not economists. Mm-hmm. We don't have crystal balls. And as a matter of fact, you know, why can get, you know, it can be helpful to have a general sense of where we might be in, in economic or market cycles, you know, really all short-term economic and market developments are really irrelevant to long-term investment plans if they're constructed properly. Mm-hmm. And so even though, um, you know, investors oftentimes want to talk an awful lot about short-term markets and economies and what's going on, it, it, it really shouldn't matter if you've got a sound strategy that should withstand all market environments. So, But this kind of information can be helpful psychologically because if we have a general idea of what might happen, um, you know, maybe we'll be prepared. Yeah. And, and, and so we just encourage the audience to look at our conversation today as really just background information and not to act on it without professional guidance. And of course, always in the context of a long-term you know, financial investment plan. That's right. That's right. So there's a lot that we could touch on, unfortunately, as it relates to 2018, because <laughs> right. a lot happened, yes. um, you know, especially with the most recent market downturn. So how do, you, how do you want to approach it? Yeah, I thought we would do three things. I thought we would do a brief recap of market results for 18, just to get a sense for where the various asset classes ended up. Uh, talk a little bit about potential risk and opportunities, and certainly the most recent volatility that we've experienced experienced in the market. And then finally, addressed how should uh, investors act as we move into 19. And, you know, as you know, you know, on this show, you know, we're not doing a format where we can take listener questions. Yeah. But I do welcome questions from the audience. So if they would like to email, email me at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com. That's money and A-N-D meanings all spelled out at tandemgrowth.com, I'd be happy to entertain any any questions that are prompted from today's show. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. So how would you recap the market results? Well, as you know, for the first time since 2008, investors experienced the normal definition of a bear market. Yeah. I mean, barely. Yeah. I mean, from, from the high in September 20th to, you know, right before Christmas, the market was down about 19 point. The S&P 500, the broad yeah. U.S. equity market, was down just shy of 20%. So we'll call that a 20% bear market, which is a normal definition, is about 20%. Yep. And so these significant declines at the end of the year really um, ended a year that early on looked like you were going to have positive returns again in many in many asset classes. And it was a strange year in some respects in that we had two pretty significant downturns. You had from late January to early February, you had a fairly significant downturn. And then from early October, of course, through through December. And, you know, the as a matter of fact, the month of December was the worst December since 1931. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and actually, it was the first year since 1948 
that the market um, ended the year negative after being positive in the first three quarters. Um, but as you know, um, as asset allocators, yep. you know we think in terms of various asset classes or investment categories. So let's just run down some of the broad, the broad categories. And I think what listeners will or may notice is, you know, in 2017, all of the broad asset classes were positive. In 17. Right. Every asset, every broad asset class was positive in 17. In 2018, almost all the broad asset classes were negative. That's right. The only exception was cash. So for 2018, you know, cash um, or short term treasuries or, or some proxy for cash was up about one, to, uh, one and a half percent or thereabout. Broad fixed income bonds basically were flat for the year. And they were negative most of the year. I was just going to say that's a little surprising if you're a student of this and you've been watching. I mean, for the first three quarters, you didn't want anything to do with bonds. We're going to touch that's on correct. that. And that's then correct. here they come in and and uh, accelerate and do pretty well in the final quarter. Well, they, they, they do what they're supposed to do in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, so uh, broad bonds were basically no return, n- no gain, no loss. Uh, U.S. real estate was down about 4%. Uh, Low-quality bonds were down about 4%. Large U.S. equities, the S&P 500, ended up the year down about 4.5% or thereabout. Uh, Small caps, a little bit more uh, down, 11%. Uh, International was down about 13, 13 13.5%. And emerging markets down about about 14%. And just a couple of quick comments on this is what's interesting about the rankings of the returns in 2018 – it's almost the flip of the mirror image of expected returns. Yeah. So the higher volatility, higher returning asset classes, mm-hmm. did you have the highest expected returns, were the ones that got hurt the most, yep. uh, and, and, and vice versa. So I would just caution you know listeners not to take 2018 as a, uh, when they look at their 401k statement and they look at the various asset classes that they own, as um, how they should reallocate their you know their portfolio based on what make what may come next, but mm-hmm. those are those are some of the the broad asset class results. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, one other thing that stood out to me, you know, in 2017, the two best performing asset categories, so emerging markets and international, international. were the were the worst. So Correct. if you're if you're trying to jump on any bandwagons, just like you might be now, yeah. to say cash or yep. bonds or so on, be careful. Be careful about yeah. that because doing that at the end of 17 sets you up for a pretty miserable. 2018. We talk a lot about factors and styles and so on. What were the best and worst performing sub-asset classes? Yeah, I mean, continue a trend that we've had for the last few years. Um, growth in, in U.S. equities, particularly growth beat value. Mm-hmm. Uh, large caps, large company stocks beat small company stocks. As you just mentioned, in contrast to 2017, U.S. equities beat international equities. And due to the fourth quarter, as we mentioned, bonds beat stocks for for a change. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so we already mentioned this, but, you know, emerging markets were down about 14. Uh, developed international was down about 13 and a half or so. And U.S. was, was only down about four and a half percent. So you can clearly see that. And in the fixed income area, um, you know, core bonds were, you know, were break even. But if you had lower quality bonds, they had equity-like downturns, right. the lower quality bonds. So even within the bond asset classes, there was some divergence in the returns, depending on the types of bonds that you own. Um, 
but um, but those are sort of the major the major themes as it relates to some of these smaller sub asset yeah. breakdowns. So so what are what are the takeaways and any big lessons from asset class or the market performance in 2018? Yeah, well, I think the the first and the biggest uh, is that 2018 was a really good example of why we preach diversification. Yeah, and in the middle of September, you know, as we as we just alluded to, one might ask, why do I still have bonds in the portfolio? I mean, the market hit an all time high, and fixed income or bonds were down. Uh, but at the end of the year, you were certainly glad you had bonds in the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And you know, so while some are also discussing. This year is a year of unusual volatility. I actually think it's really more of a return to normal volatility. And some of the lower volatility that we experienced in 15, 16, and 17 was really the historical exception. So we had a return of more normal volatility. And then finally, you know, it's a reminder that you get positive expected returns because of something you know geeks like us call a risk premium yeah. and um, so the risk premium is the extra return you get for taking risk and like an insurance premium occasionally you have to pay the premium yeah and so in 2018 we had to pay the premium and the premium is largely psychological and short term mm. um, and then and then finally I, I say this all the time because um, you know, I, I, I'm not a tech guy. I don't know a lot about technology, but uh, you, you know, you you always get these software updates because they're finding bugs that they're fixing. Yeah. And so people think about you know what's the bug in the software, and so people think about the investment markets. It, they think about the volatility as being a bug. It's a problem. Right. And really, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Well, that highlights what you just said. It's a feature that enables those enhanced long-term returns. Bingo. That's right. That's right. So right. so it's not a bug. It's a feature, and it's the reason you get the return. Yeah. That's that's helpful perspective and a, and a great reminder. So with that backdrop, what are your thoughts on the difficult fourth quarter? Because yeah. while volatility might have been more normal, boy, the fourth quarter was a, was surprising. Yeah. It, it, it was surprising in the pace. I don't know that it was surprising in the depth. That's right. Depth. That, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, really just um, timing is always interesting. And in when do you put out communications to your clients? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I put something out when the market was down about 15%, saying that so far this is normal. I mean, we get a 14 to 15% decline almost every year. And of course, over the next week, it went down even more to, to reach the quote 20% threshold. But yeah. I think if you look at the last eight weeks or so, I would argue that a, that a lot of what we see is really not driven by the fundamentals. Yeah. Um, you know, earnings and interest rates matter, um, and ultimately the economy drives earnings and interest rates, but sometimes the market reacts and moves and it's disjointed from the underlying fu- fundamentals. So in the short term, you know, traders may be driving this volatility, and really, as I mentioned before, it really has nothing to do with us. Yeah. What these traders are doing as long-term investors, it really doesn't. So, uh, but you know, poor communication and potential for policy errors by the Fed uh, could be driving some of the volatility. Um, as an sort of Adam Smith free market guy, I I believe that over time these policy errors or these poor communications, I mean, they work themselves out. Yeah. Uh, over time, 
you know, the market does follow corporate earnings and corporate earnings follows growth in the economy and it works it- itself out. Um, you know, it also didn't help that we had some really confusing communication uh, from the Secretary of Treasury. For those of you that were on vacation on Christmas Eve, you just watch, if you were paying attention, which I hope you weren't, but you just watched that and just, oh, yeah, what it, a disaster. Yeah, it, it was interesting. So the, the Secretary of the Treasury, right before Christmas, sent out a, a, a communication assuring the public that the banks are sound. <laughs> And I don't think there's any real thoughtful person that was all that concerned about the banks. The banks are actually pretty healthy as compared to where they were before the Great Recession and and even over time because of changes to lending standards and regulatory environment. And so talking about yelling fire in a crowded theater. So when the Secretary of Treasury puts out a note that the banks are sound. It's almost like there's no fire. Exactly. And and that's all everyone heard was to focus on, oh, wait, there might be a fire? What are you talking about? Yeah, so it's it's really noisy. And and so you... You, you always are trying to put together causation of why you had the market, and and sometimes you just can't know. But it's a, 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 a whole bunch of factors. But so anyway, right around Christmas, the broad you know U.S. equity market was barely, mm-hmm. pun intended, mm, yeah. in bear market territory, right about a twenty percent decline. And so, is this the beginning of something bigger? It's really impossible to know. It is truly impossible to know. If interest rates and earnings drive the results, and if those are driven by the economy. What are your research sources, assessments of the overall state of economy? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the state of the economy certainly affects corporate earnings uh, and interest rates. And over time, uh, the value of businesses follow corporate earnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think what, uh, what most of the, the, the people that we follow are suggesting is you still got healthy corporate earnings, but they are certainly slowing. Um, and, and they would almost have to because we had record earnings you know, leading up to this. And so we are probably in the late stages of an economic cycle. Um, uh, but most recessions are caused by excesses or, or um, you know, things that are getting overbuilt or yeah. overvalued or uh, too much capital chasing too few sectors, if you, if you will. And when you look at the overall cyclical parts of the economy, you really don't see a lot of excesses today. So as I mentioned, corporate earnings are still growing, but they're growing at a slower pace. Mm-hmm. And of course, the market discounts that. So that that might be part of the cause for some of this. Sure. But again, when you look at these economic sectors, I mean, uh, residential real estate is still relatively healthy, although it is slower. Yeah, and and helpful, your perspective there in the Atlanta area, right? One of the hottest real estate well, markets. Yeah, so I think Atlanta's a weird place to, to look at. Not unlike San Francisco or Las Vegas or maybe Miami in certain times because yeah. we're a you know we're a you know we've got a pretty healthy mortgage market and we've got growing demographics and we're a service economy and and but we go to excesses and like everyone else and you know I, I guess as a uh, as a contrarian indicator, I you know I look at all the building and it concerns me in yeah. a, in a way. But but when I look at the the national statistics, yep, it, it it really doesn't look overheated. You know, business investment is not overheated. Yeah, um, uh, and some of that is uh, because of the you know potential for trade challenges with new yeah. trade policy. You know, many businesses may be taking sort of a wait and see attitude. But some of the cyclical things that lead economies and are sort of the canaries in the coal mine, are really not excessive at this point. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a couple of the buzz risk words out there. So so what are some of the risks 
that you're seeing and opportunities as well. Yeah, and again, um, remember, we expect a recession. Mm-hmm. A recession is normal. Um, but there is a risk that the Fed overshoots in raising rates and accelerates yeah. the recession. Uh, but rates are still low from a historical standpoint. And, you know, one would certainly think with, you know, reasonable employment growth, and we still have really good employment growth, a more favorable regulatory environment, which we currently have, yep. and the growth that we've had in asset prices, that the economy could have, you know, could absorb another rate increase or two. And although um, we may not get them because the Fed seems to be more sensitive now to the market volatility, uh, we've got some really low inflation statistics coming yeah. through, even though wages are going up since oil prices have gone down. Right. Uh, inflation numbers are low, so the Fed has reason to pause. So this could actually provide a short-term bump to asset prices because the Fed decides to, to pause. Mm-hmm. But the risk is that the Fed overshoots. Um, but we could get just the opposite. We could get the Fed pausing and the market and asset prices grow. Now, the interesting thing about Fed policy is you never know how the market will react, right? So yeah. if they if they pause, traders will like that, and the market and asset prices may go up quickly. But once they start dissecting this and say, yeah. okay, the Fed paused, they must be worried about the economy. Uh, I, I thought it was a lose-lose de- yeah. decision on the 19th in December. I mean, it, it, if they didn't raise rates, it would have likely excited the traders, but then pessimism likely would have reigned. Yeah, yeah, and, right? and, and trying to predict or guess right. or make investment policy of this is really insane. But but there's clearly a slowdown in global growth. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the uh, you know purchasing managers index across the globe, it's not as green. Meaning, mm-hmm. the growth has slowed, mm-hmm. and again, a lot of that might be concerns about trade policy. So, uh, because again, a lot of corporate managements are holding cash and being a little bit more conservative until they have better clarity, and so if, uh, so, it's sort of the yin and the yang. Yeah. The 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 risk is that we you know have trade challenges and 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 the and the and the globally growth slows because everybody's afraid to make decisions the flip side is once you get some clarity you could get a really an acceleration right. in growth pent up demand yeah especially yep. in in international and emerging markets and, and and things like and things like that um one of the things i've been paying attention to over the last couple of years is the growth in uh lower quality uh, debt, yeah, uh, and, on 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 corporate debt, um, but there are some silver linings as well as we, we mentioned. You know, there there is increased wages, but it's not fed into inflation. Uh, this lower oil price that we've gotten here recently is interesting too, because obviously it'll hurt the energy sector. Right. If you're invested in the energy sector, it could help the consumer, right? And, e- exactly. and the consumer really drives. And and I don't, I don't want to. Um, make any of your uh the greater atlanta fans of the show <laughs> disappointed but up here in northern indiana i actually saw gas prices at a dollar 99 a few weeks ago yeah yeah B- below two for the first time in a long time so obviously helps the consumer it right? does and if you think about 
um, lower oil prices, it's sort of like a tax cut for everybody. Yeah. Everybody gets the tax cut. Which is converse to this big risk and this big wild card of this tariff, which is essentially like a tax to everyone. That's Initially, it hits profits, but guess what corporate corporations are going to do? They pass it on the consumer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so that's that's a great perspective, Jeff. Yeah. yeah and, in, and in terms of opportunities as well, I mean, the pullback has certainly improved valuations, which increases expected returns, which we've talked about. And so, you know, if you look at the projected price earnings ratio of U.S. equities today, you know, it's it's uh, it's lower than it's been for 25 years. Small cap stocks, which historically have higher returns mm-hmm. than large cap stocks, got hit really hard yep. in the downturn, and they look really compelling now. Yeah, they do relative to relative large cap. So, it has created some opportunities. That's right. All right. So here's the uh, here's the big question then. With all that back with all that backdrop. How do you think investors should react to all of this as we move into 2019? Yeah. So, well, first of all, all successful investors act, they don't react. So, as I'm sure you know, Mike, and and maybe the audience, if they've listened to this show at any point at all, is probably not surprised to hear me say that we should continue to employ the same principles and practices that I believe will continue to work in all market environments if they're given enough time. And so, obviously, if you've got a goal that's short-term in nature, I'll say five years or shorter, just arbitrarily, it should not be in equities anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those clients who um, have a purchase that they're going to pull capital for from their balance sheet, from their assets, that money shouldn't be invested in volatile equities anyway. Um, for clients who are retired and are drawing from their portfolios annually, as we've discussed in this show many times, you know, we like keeping a two-year short-term bucket, short-term yep. portfolio. Yep. And so um, we want that short-term bucket to be in cash or cash equivalents that have no market risk. Yep. Um, and so it's appropriate just to confirm that you've got that adequately funded yep. so you can last through a potential bear market if this is the beginning of the bear the bear market. Your time horizon has to dictate your investment allocation on the front end, right? Right. And then you need great, great, great wealth management for the entire portfolio. Right. But your but your time horizon has to dictate it yeah. on the front end. Yeah, yeah. It's all yeah. about yeah. It's all about uh, goal focused. That's right. Yeah, That's goal right. focused. So so um, and certainly you've already talked about this. We talked about international was great in seventeen and not so good in eighteen. And so in seventeen, if you were rebalancing, you were selling international and reallocating to some of the asset classes that were uh, had underperformed relative to international. In right. eighteen, you were happy about that. Right. And so we want to take this opportunity to rebalance. Yep. So given the recent downturn we are able to increase exposure to some of these asset classes that are more compelling. Um, and for investors that have too much cash, you know, not, I have calls from people occasionally that says, I've been sitting in cash since 2009 or 2010, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, I, 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 you know, and we, we can't go back and redo what I perceive to be a mistake, but we can at least be thoughtful about what do we do going forward. So it's a good time maybe to get some money to work mm-hmm. at more compelling prices than we had uh, eight weeks ago or so, or three months ago or so. Um, and it just, psychologically, you have to decide how do you want to get it to work. Um, you know, the, the, the odds are, the probabilities are, you know, you're better off getting it to work 
in a reasonably diversified portfolio all at once and just recognizing your timing could be great, it could be terrible, but you can't know. But over a seven to 10 year period, the odds are in your favor getting the money to work. Sure. Psychologically, that's very difficult for people to do. And so I, I'm absolutely comfortable with someone that's got a lot of cash putting a portion in now and easing in that's right. over 12 to 18 months. So yep. you might put a third in now and dollar cost average or ease in the other two thirds over 12 or 18 months. And then if we do get a really nasty bear market, you could accelerate it. Yeah. And um, so, you, you know, you may have an opportunity to purchase at some even better in better values if you did that. And of course, you want to stay diversified. We, mm-hmm. we talk about this all the time. You want good exposure to large cap stocks, small cap stocks, international stocks, emerging markets, high quality fixed income, and I stress high quality because you want to play defense largely with the fixed income in our view. And you know, you also want a few non-traditional asset classes like global real estate and uh, we use you know these factor-based risk premium funds that we talked a little bit about. But the key is to stay diversified. And then the final way investors should act is to think like an opportunist, and, uh, an opportunist, and not a victim. Yeah. Um, and and as I mentioned, it's a feature, not a bug, right? And so when prices fall, values go up. So our friend Nick Murray, that we quote a lot, he calls bear markets value rallies. That's right. Because the values go up when prices go down, yeah. and so you're able to again initiate new positions or rebalance into things that have have better values, which increase. Uh, expected long-term returns. But again, the the main takeaway is to remain goal-focused and planning-driven. All right. That, I, that is a great summary, great review. That's great information of what I would actually say are principles, right? The, the Money and Meaning show is all about aligning meaning in your life with your resources. And both of those require intentionality right. and principles, right? right. And so, um, especially in the backdrop of everything that happened in the markets in 2018, that's a great reminder of the principles uh, of how to manage um, your your assets and resources. So right. um, wonderful. That is uh, that is all we had for today. I hope you found this episode helpful. Um, on behalf of Jeff Bernier and myself, that's going to do it for us on the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. If you uh, want to catch up on previous episodes or check out Jeff's most recent blog, go to www.tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspectives. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at tandemgrowth.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not 
not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.